Welcome back to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for Marvel's WandaVision. Who's the popsicle? All right, welcome to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and the illusion is really breaking down with this episode titled on a very special episode. We got Vision seeing things a little more clearly. We got a new dog, and we've got the return of... Uh, hold on a second. Is that, is that the same guy from the, from the movie? No. But first, if you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like Book Club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU in general. So if you haven't watched this week's episode, be sure to do so and then come right back in a snap. Now, before we jump into the hex, that's right, I said the hex. Uh, let me introduce you to this wonderful cast of special characters joining me on the show today. As always, we have the jitterbug of joyful jazzercising, Justin Taylor Johnson. Oh, nice one. Yeah, I'm a jazzercizer. I'll jazzercise the heck out of this right? thing. Right? You do the jitterbug a little bit? <laughs> yep. And coming to us live from the dark dimension, we have the crisscross of collectible coosbanes, Kevin Hudson. Yo, yo, yo. Uh, and invading our home with his first and final warning, we have... The Mephisto of meticulously masterful movie moderation, Matt Rorabeck. <laughs> you didn't see that coming. <laughs> oh, no, we did it. We did it. <laughs> How are you up, doing boys? today? So I'm happy good. to have you on the show. No, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm so psyched to uh, talk WandaVision. I've been obsessing over it over the last few weeks. And uh, I was just telling you guys off air, I'm like, I haven't had a chance to really talk about it on any of my shows because we've been so focused on Sundance and, you know, we mostly cover movies. We don't jump into the tv realm unless it now it's marvel studios or star wars or something like that but uh so pumped to talk to you guys i mean speaking of of some of the you, what you just mentioned um would you be able to let some of our listeners know uh, who the heck are you who, who is matt Rohrbeck? Yeah, I'm Matt Rohrbeck. I am the host of a trilogy of podcasts that you guys can get across podcast services. Uh, we do three shows with my co-host, Eric Marchin, who is a film critic as well, um, called The Untitled Movie Podcast, Untitled Movie Reviews, and Untitled Movie Conversations. Uh, essentially, the podcast is just two homies shooting the shit about the entertainment industry for way too long, um, usually uh, talking about news, things like that. Um, our review show are usually 15, 20-minute bite-sized podcasts about uh, new release films or TV shows or things like that. And then Conversations is our interview show where we kind of jump into people's um, realms in other aspects of the entertainment industry and just kind of chat with them. So uh, host those three shows, been a film critic for the last decade or so on and off, uh, working other odd jobs there because being a film critic doesn't pay super well. <laughs> um, but And a huge Marvel uh, fanboy too. Like I'm obsessed with the MCU. So uh, that's why I'm pumped to be here with you guys. Yeah, I know, Matt, you and uh, you and Eric, I mean, I think I, I tune in. Of course, you're doing all the Sundance stuff right now, which is uh, which is excellent. Um, and yeah, you know, you don't it's not too often you get to see, 
you know, big Marvel properties <laughs> jumping into things like Sundance and what have you. So, um, yeah, that's that's what I mean. Like with our show, like Eric's the very um, he's just a, a wealth of cinema knowledge. He's been obsessed with it since he was a kid. He's that like, you know, that very well versed in, in film history and things like that. And then I bring in the kind of more like I'm still a hardcore film fan, but that kind of casual side of things. And I think that's why we have a good juxtaposition between the both of us, because he's kind of your more classic cinephile. And then I bring in, you know, all this uh, passionate nerdiness and then we kind of balance each other out so we do sundance one week and then i gush about wandavision every week too nice. so. <laughs> there you go that's kind of that's kind of like kevin and i with justin being like justin's kind of the a24 snob and so he <laughs> just focuses on those movies and then we kind of come in with like yeah but did you see the big explosion in that michael bay movie <laughs> well, like, okay. yeah yeah uh, yeah i don't know i don't like being pigeonholed and pulled into a michael bay explosion <laughs> fan here. that's just me that's just me you know, and i, I cry like, in every I movie i like a waterfall yeah. pouring over a bikini clad woman as much as the next person but i i on my letterbox in review of last year michael bay was my most watched director in 2020 and i was like i was like oh no i know i know i was like what the hell happened because i I watched all the transformers movies again last year Mm -hmm. and i just that ruined everything when i got my stats you somehow made 2020 worse that's that's impressive (laughs) yeah i know i know before we get into the plot of this week's episode, um, which, by the way, is the longest episode of the series so far. So, you know, if you're listening to this, strap in, get yourself comfortable, you know, get get a nice dog uh, to pet. Oh, well, maybe not anymore. Uh, but guys, <laughs> let's get a brief overview of your high-level thoughts on the episode. Matt, as our guest, we'll start with you. And could you give us just your high-level thoughts on the series so far and then your high-level thoughts on this episode specifically? Yeah, I mean, as I as mentioned, like I, I've been obsessed with this show, and um, I'm a huge Marvel fanboy. Every year, I do like a rewatch of the MCU. It seems like lately, nice. and um, I I didn't know what to expect going into this, but I was really intrigued by you know the sitcom premise, and I love that they've committed to that. But then mm-hmm. also, I love obviously the breaks in that reality, and as we get further into the series, how much it's kind of been a split between you know the outside world and inside the hex. Um, no, I've been obsessed with it. I've watched every episode. I think two or three times now because before each next episode, I'll rewatch the last one. And I, I, I'm getting into my obsession days of like when I was obsessed with Lost and I love yes, mystery box go. shows. And uh, I yeah. was, I, I was like, Lost was the first podcast I li- listened to. I went on Lostopedia every week and read mm-hmm. like synopsis of episodes and mysteries. So like this shit is exactly right up my alley. When you blend that into Marvel, which I already love, and put this mystery box thing in it, I have been obsessing over the show. Um, and then when we get to today's episode, obviously that cliffhanger, the end sting is what I'm sure we'll get into in in Mm -hmm. a second. But um, I actually, you know, I weirdly up until that last um, stinger, I was like, oh, you know what? This episode to me, I don't want to sound negative because I love the show. I'm like, I don't know if it's as strong as everything else because as we kind of you know, right when I'm getting into the 80s sitcom stuff, it pulled me out and put me into the outside world sword mm. stuff. And then I jumped back and I couldn't get into either side. But as I kind of watched it again today, I was like, you know, I, I'm, I think this is where we're headed in this series, that it'll be a more 50-50 split. And I think I'm open to that. But I just loved those first three, four episodes where they really committed to that sitcom thing. And then with those kind of creepy breaks in reality. But as we get more and more in those, I think it becomes even more unsettling. And um, yeah, I, I loved this episode um and i love the show there we go justin 
this was in a unique episode because after three episodes, the first three episodes being very sitcom focused, and then the fourth one taking us out of the bubble, um, this one blended the two. And I, I appreciated the moments where like we were in the sitcom world and you'd hear a little fuzz of static and then we were in the outside world or, you know, it was panning into the screen and then it just transitions into into the television. So I appreciated how they tried to blend the two stories and, and what was happening. Um, but to, to Matt's point, I think that kind of, it wasn't as focused. It kind of felt very like it weaved uh, between the two two worlds. Whereas you know, uh, in the previous episode, it was very harnessed and, and focused in those worlds. Uh, I didn't necessarily think of it as a, as a negative thing. I just think that there was more that they were trying to juggle uh, with the episode. Uh, but yeah, that stinger at the end that was a, that was pretty interesting. And um, but it was great to see a lot of things that we were already theorizing in past episodes of the Watch Club start to come to fruition. You know, yes. kids growing up rapidly or you know being able to see the outside and the inside right but we're already episode five and we're seeing both worlds so you know they mm -hmm. did they did a good job with with trying to tell both stories in and out of the bubble yeah absolutely i i i think that's one of the, the biggest things that i liked about the episode kevin your thoughts yeah i was gonna say the same thing i think <clears throat> they've got a very difficult job now that the two worlds have collided here and i think they they did a really good job of balancing giving us new information in both realms. And so we're learning about what's going on from two different perspectives. And I just think that's such a cool way to tell this story. Um, it's certainly moving towards a total collision of these two worlds a little faster than I expected, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that just means it's going to go even further into whatever's going on, even further than we uh, originally expected. And so I'm just, I'm just, again, left uh, with more questions than answers and more excited to see what's going to happen next. I can, I totally see that. Like I was, I was a little bit worried that we, the time sp uh, spent out of the hex, the last episode that we're only going to get a TV world uh, episode, but thankfully again, they, to your points, they did a great job going back and forth. And it, I, again, it does seem like it's going to be the norm to your point, Matt, going forward. That's what the show is. Uh, and I like that it's kind of settling in there. It's giving us the structure. Right. Um, and I, I really enjoyed like this one because I, I feel like um, there were just so many great moments uh, in the in the episode. Just so many like standout uh, sort of moments that I want to like rewatch over and over again. Just portions of the episode. Um, and guys, we're gonna break down that plot just for you. So uh, let's let's do it. Um, getting into the plot here, we open with another classic shot outside the Vision residence, and then inside we see Wanda and Vision struggling with the twins as they won't stop crying. Wanda attempts and fails to use her magic to get the kids to sleep. Wanda says, we really need help, when all of a sudden, ding dong, they get a ring at the doorbell, and in enters Agnes, who conveniently was on her way, uh, Justin, like yourself, to Jazzercise class. Hell yeah. Uh, and when she, <laughs> when she claims, she heard uh, that they needed uh, a little bit of help. Um, Agnes attempts to hold the babies, and then Vision stops her. And the laugh track kind of cuts off, goes away. Um, the babies, the, the noise of the babies crying goes away. And we get a very puzzled looking Agnes who asks, do you want me to do that again? Do you want to start from the top? Wanda laughs and covers for Agnes, but not enough to keep Vision from asking questions. This questioning is interrupted when Vision realizes the babies have stopped crying. They walk over to investigate and those babies are missing. And you're thinking like, oh gosh, did Agnes take those babies? Uh, but no. Actually, they're right behind them, and now Tommy and Billy are five years old. Okay, so guys, 
break this down for me here because last week we thought that Wanda was very much in control of pretty much everything happening inside the hex uh, and now she seems to be getting caught off guard in this episode did the twins um, you know age themselves was it Agnes with whatever she sprayed on them Uh, Matt let's start with you again yeah, I mean, I, I love the moment where uh, Wanda is trying to put them to sleep and you can kind of see that her powers aren't working on the kids. And I think that's the first yeah. hint of like they are the first things that she can't really control in this Ooh. reality. And whether maybe they're and then what like later that. in the episode when we get to that of like, hey, everything that comes in, she changes and it's actually, you know, what went in just gets warped into this new thing. So it feels like to me and with that interview coming out of, you know, the house house of m thing and and elizabeth olsen talking about like oh i love that she uh, i want to do the story of making up her kids and her going crazy and everyone telling her that they're not real that's the first hint to me that the kids are are just the only thing that's totally not real in this where everything else she's warping but like them i feel like are she creates them and they're they are the things that won't be able to leave the hex or something like that. That's what I take from that. And, but I love Agnes's uh, break as well. And like doing the whole meta layer of like, Oh, should we take that from the top kind of thing? Cause she fumbled her lines. Like, I think that's fantastic. And, um, and then that kind of goes, cause there's all these theories that Agnes might be, you know, the villain in the show, or if she, she's doesn't have her ID on the, you know, the wall in the, in the mm-hmm. sword office and things like that. So I still don't know what's going on with her, but I love that kind of, moment of her, uh, of Wanda trying to put the kids to sleep and it doesn't work and it doesn't seem like she's controlling their aging as well so it's interesting. interesting interesting Kevin your thoughts I thought it was just a great start to uh, the episode uh, in it, it, you know in that we get that creepy moment really quickly like they're happening earlier and earlier each mm-hmm. episode um, and they're getting longer and longer and more troubling almost uh, if you will but yeah. uh, but also just they, you know, I just really enjoyed how jam-packed with references from 80s television the episode was. And I'll probably break it down a little bit more as we get through the episode. But yeah. uh, I, again, just such an impressive job by everyone from set designers to, you know, the music to the just the writing style. And it's just the evolution watching it go through this episode. They're just hitting it out of the park. Very cool. Yeah, the set design, I think, was was probably one of the things that stood out to me is like, this is like quintessentially an 80s sitcom, like that heavy yeah. use of wood, the, the stained glass. Like <laughs> so the, much wood. Yeah. And just just everything was just so articulated. But yeah, I think that this is this is definitely a surefire sign. Maybe Wanda isn't in control as we think. I think that that's yeah, that's yeah. that's definitely the takeaway for me. Maybe this whole time we were made to believe that she's in control, but she's not really. So no. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I love the I love that theory, and I love I love the idea of uh, of of kind of Matt to your point. Maybe they're not real because of that, uh, which is really interesting. Maybe someone or something. Uh, you know, brought them into into this reality. Uh, you know, for Wanda. Um, yeah. And then, and then, guys, we let's move into the opening theme. Kevin, I want to hear your thoughts on exactly what they were going for for this opening theme. But just before we do get to get into that, guys, Baby Vision, okay? Oh, he, yeah. Is Baby Vision <laughs> is Baby Vision the the Baby Yoda of twenty twenty one? Like what? Uh, what was with that? Oh my yeah, gosh! Yeah, you know, Disney's just got to throw another baby version of a character <laughs> at us. Yeah, Nate, will you buy the 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 sixteen inch scale model? I will. <laughs> I definitely to put him right next to my Grogu. Kevin, um, I want to know, like, what's what is the the theme they were going for? What show? Because I'm not old enough. 
they leaned heavily on exactly what I thought they would, and that was uh, family ties. It was okay. big time family ties. Like Paul Bettany's doing a spot on impression of Michael Gross, uh, who played <laughs> Stephen Keaton on the show. You know, th- there's the L shaped staircase that was prominent in that show, but a lot of other shows at the time, you know, as sort of the backdrop. I mean, the opening credits are very family ties, even starting off with a portrait of the family being painted. Yeah. Uh, I loved the swooping crane shots of the family running through the park and stuff. Like, it's just (laughs) so spot on. Uh, Like, the lyrics to the song were great. My favorite line, uh, forces may try to pull us apart. Yes. But nothing can phase me. Like, just, uh, I just thought it was so good. But then even even like, you know, you go into details like the aging of Billy and Tommy. There was literally on Family Ties, a character, uh, Tommy, he was born in season four, was a baby all through season four. And then season five starts and he's five years old. There's no explanation. None of the characters mention it at all. And, you know, this I love how they played on that by it's actually really weird when they do it in front of your eyes and nobody blinks an yeah. eye, Agnes specifically. So uh, in terms of the family ties references, they that's really where they jammed it in there. And I loved how on the birthday cake, you see the candles, one, two, three, four, five, like all five of them on the same birthday cake. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> so good. So good. Um, so guys, then after that theme, we, we cut back out of the hex. We're back out of the hex now, and we can overhear Tyler Hayward interviewing Monica, who claims she felt drowned with grief while inside. Jimmy and Darcy enter uh, in to say hi, uh, when the lab technician informs them that they'll need to run her x-rays again, uh, as Darcy notices that they're blank. Hmm. Uh, then, <laughs> in an all-hands-on meeting, we see Tyler and Monica disagree about Wanda's intentions with Hayward claiming Wanda's a terrorist. Um, he shares some footage that somehow he recently got off. I thought he was the cream of the crop top of the show, but he just got authorization from someone uh, to show some footage from nine days ago of Wanda recovering Vision's corpse, uh, which is seemingly in pieces and being experimented on by S.W.O.R.D. Okay, guys, so three things here really quick. What's up with Monica's x-rays? Does this mean she's already got her powers, right? Why is Hay- uh, Tyler Hayward such a dick? And and how how uh, what do you think they were doing with with Vision's body uh, at Sword? Uh, yeah, I mean the first thing with um, uh, uh, Monica Rambo, like yeah, I do think it's alluding to her powers and and being Photon, and and I do think that I don't know if she'll get that in this series or if that'll be a Captain Marvel two thing. Mm. Um, I, I don't think that they would give her her powers or anything by the end of the show, but they could in the last act. I'm I, I'm not sure, but I do think that that's planting the seeds for that. Yeah, it kind of seems like though um, they 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 are hinting at it pretty heavily. Like, like it, you yeah, know, the fact that her scans came back, you know, irregular, and they wanted to do more blood work. To me, it's more or less: does she have them and not know, or does she have them and knows and just doesn't want to deal with it? Right? I don't know. Maybe that's 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 a stretch. I could see that. No, I, I kind of got that by the way she kind of is like, "We're done here. I don't need you to kind of look into this anymore. Yes. Like, let's let's go on." Like that. I kind of got that vibe too. And then when it goes to the second question with Hayward, I thought there was an interesting cut when Jimmy's giving his speech and they're kind of going back and forth. And then Jimmy's kind of alluding to Wanda being, you know, a good guy, and and Hayward's no, she's a, a terrorist. And I like that cut where Jimmy goes, "Oh, he's such a," and he's about to say "dick," but then it cuts to him saying "terrorist," and I was like, "That's oh. that's interesting." Interesting. interesting and i'm like that's interesting because i know people have been alluding to like is he 
who he sa- says he is or is he a bad guy? I don't know if they'd go that route with having like Hydra infiltrating S.H.I.E.L.D. and then already having like S.W.O.R.D., the guy, the head guy of S.W.O.R.D. also being a bad guy. And I'm like, I don't know if they would do that right away. I mean, obviously, he's kind of a obviously a dick, which they say, but um, I don't know if they would make him like the bad guy um, right now. But yeah, I am so on board with that. Like, I'm totally with you there. I really hope it's not going to be just that cut and dry copy and paste you know, uh, uh, Hydra do over. And I think the real ambiguity is lying within Wanda and her intentions and actual control over everything. And so they're almost like diverting your attention in some ways to trying to find who the bad guy is while also giving you little seeds. Like, is it Wanda? Is she up to no good? You know, that sort of thing. That's where I really felt the the tug and pull through the whole episode came from. Yeah. I feel like he's a hundred percent. His intentions can be questionable on different levels. I think in terms of Wanda, he's just looking at her as a terrorist, right? Because sword is this entity now that looks at all of these cosmic things as, as weapons, which is kind of ties in with the idea of what they were doing with vision. Were they studying him and, and as a means of a weapon or understanding his, the weapon capabilities or were they they going to engineer new ones who knows but yeah i think hayward is i think his actions are are going to be questionable but i really hope they don't lean too hard in giving him like a hydra or you know i could see him being like more affiliated with aim if that's how they bring in aim is is, is an affiliation with him being a part of that or you know a covert agent of aim so um but yeah that's it's hard i honestly think he's just a typical like 80s boss like your your captain who's stopping Riggs and Murtaugh from getting to the truth. Like he's standing in the way of the heroes from, you know, yeah. doing whatever it takes yeah, to I get the job done, right? Like he's 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 just following the book and doing what he's supposed to do, even though, you know, it, that might irk audiences the wrong way. Like, right? Like that's, he's just playing that stereotypical guy in control who's a jerk to, you know, the characters that we love. I don't think he's necessarily a bad guy. Yeah, I I was saying like it reminds me of like kind of in Civil War where like you're either taking, you know, the government side or the here or or the other side kind of thing of like with Monica and him. And it seems like Monica probably should have been that person who took her mom's kind of spot after her mom passed away. But when she was gone, this other dickhead comes in because he was the most qualified. And then it (laughs) kind of has that most the more governmenty kind of feel. I kind of hope that it just stays that and he's just kind of a prick. And yeah. He's a government dick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Guy, I mean, listen, I still hold out my theory from from last week where I think he's I think he's Mephisto or or maybe at least at the very least he's being influenced by Mephisto. Well, I'm sure that Mephisto is going to come back up at some point as we talk about this. But guys, we jump back into the TV show to see Tommy and Billy. Uh, they're washing something in the sink. Uh, and Wanda discovers that the twins were hiding a dog in the sink. Vision enters and Wanda asks him why he's got the, his human face on. Uh, and when he says he, you know, he expects someone to pop over with exactly the item they require, uh, Agnes just happens to stop by with an entire doghouse, um, which I thought it was weird that she's holding a whole built dog. I've never seen people hold a whole doghouse. Um, after the dog, uh, oh, sorry. Um, after the dog almost causes an electrical fire, Agnes suggests uh, the name Sparky. And Wanda uses her powers to create a dog collar right in front of her. Uh, Vision gets really upset with her, saying, hey, like, I thought we did, you know, we agreed that we weren't going to just show off our powers or be so loose with our powers. 
Um, the boys ask if they can keep Sparky, and Wanda mentions they can't have a dog until they're at least 10. Uh, the twins look at each other in a very, like, 80s movie, like, kids, like, when they, you know, they're about to do something bad or something. Um, and we get this really cringeworthy CGI uh, where they, <laughs> they grow themselves into the age of 10. Um, so, guys, wh- what's with the sudden change of heart with Wanda? Like, she clearly doesn't care if Agnes sees her powers anymore. Um, and what did you guys think of the instant growth? Matt. Yeah, I like that Vision is starting to notice these things as we go along more and more t- as well, because he even alludes that like why he's in his human form is because he assumes that Agnes will, you know, barge in at any moment with the right mm. thing for the, the scene <laughs> for the moment. And, yeah. yeah, for the moment. So I, I like that part of it. Um, And yeah, I mean, I, I'm I, I have no idea what's going on with her still. Like, I don't know if Wanda knows that Agnes kind of already knows or something like that. Yeah. Or if maybe it's Agnes is the one that is kind of doing some of this stuff. So that's why Wanda feels more comfortable kind of doing this stuff in front of her. But um, I still there's something off with her, obviously, or something like whether she's, a you know, helping Wanda or, you know, she's hurting her I, i'm not sure but um, i'm still very intrigued and i love katherine hahn so yeah oh she's great she's so good well yeah wanda wanda says herself like at some point right like she didn't even blink an eye when the kids you know aged five years right mm-hmm. so i think i think like wanda obviously knows something's going on whether she's in complete control whether she understands entirely what's going on she knows something's going on yeah and i think just like everything is you know uh incrementally speeding up and getting faster and faster and faster in terms of developments, I think so too is her letting getting fast and loose with the rules, right? It's like, you know, you'd expect it to have been a small gradual thing first and then her slowly slipping the veil off, but it was just a full like, okay, I don't even care anymore. The illusion's over. Let's just ro- roll with it, whatever's going on here. Yeah, and, and it's, you know, it's interesting just because, again, like, she's she's so convenient, right? And it I guess it still plays off that, that neighbor character in all these shows that we're talking about. Um, and I love, I love those little details, but I, did you guys also notice the, um, the wardrobe choice for Billy and Tommy are so well done. Cause it's their, it's their outfits. It's their superhero outfits. Like Billy is wearing red and black and Tommy's wearing green, blue, white, and gray, like on their t-shirts. And I just love the attention to detail that the show is playing. It's, it's just, or, or paying attention to It's so, it's just so smart. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I love it. I love it. Um, we cut back to Monica and Darcy, uh, working on a plan to infiltrate the hex as Darcy so lovingly refers to it. Um, and I love how, I love that moment where she's like, she's like, I think it's catching on. (laughs) It's so good. Um, and I think that's the right use of, of that character. Um, Monica claims she knows an aerospace engineer who'd be up for the challenge. And then we get this weird cut of her on her phone, like seemingly texting them. Um, we'll get to that in a second. Jimmy asks about the twins and where they came from. And Monica states that they are Wanda's kids. Um, they discuss just how powerful Wanda is when Jimmy states, well, Captain Marvel is just as powerful. Then Monica dismisses that discussion, uh, you know, just like right away, almost too quickly. And they proceed to the lab where they discover that Wanda doesn't create everything that's in the hex, but rather she alters uh, these things that are coming into the hex and keeping some semblance of their normal state. Um, so Monica then suggests that they send in something that requires no change. Uh, okay, guys, so let's kind of go through that a little bit. Um, the aerospace engineer that Monica said she knew, uh, who is that? And why do you guys think that she was so dismissive when uh, Jimmy brought up uh, Miss Danvers, Captain Marvel? Justin. 
I don't know who I, w- I think it is. I, I, I know that the, the thing that they sent through, it had a Stark logo on it. So, uh, you know, it was it was a it was a piece of hardware from the 80s that Stark Industries uh, built. Yeah. Would it That's be cool. someone like a Rhodes? I don't know. Right. But you're saying that, that was what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah but I, I don't know. Like, I, I think, yeah, Kevin seems like he might he might know the answer to the to it. But, I'm sure Darcy told you, uh, <laughs> um, but um, no, I think uh, I think what was what's interesting about her being so dismissive of Captain Marvel, it seems like there's some sort of disdain or 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 frustration with with that. So I don't know if we're going to see that in Captain Marvel too. If like if what this is setting up, because she seems so angry, right? Like or or mad, or maybe it's because she left and never came back. Um, I, I'm not sure, but she seemed very dismissive. I don't know. That was my read mm. into it. I, mm. I'm probably way off, but like I, I feel like there's some bad blood between Danvers, uh, Captain Marvel, and uh, and her mom. Like I think there might be something. Maybe not necessarily bad blood, but maybe 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 just like we know that there's some time in between that, right? So I'm wondering if like you know something happened, and then um, you know Rambo got sick. And then, you know, Carol never came and visited her or when she was sick mm. or like just something happened to cause this I descent I for Monica to not be, you know, cool with her anymore. Mm. Um, but uh, but Kevin, do you have any ideas on who that could possibly be, that aerospace engineer? I'm going with Fantastic Four. I'm thinking maybe and I'm not going to take credit for this. I'm thinking maybe <laughs> Reed Richards. Like they, there was a lot of Fantastic Four sort of references in the last episode yeah uh so while i don't think they gave any direct hints that it could be reed richards from what i'm seeing of all the fan theories that's the one i'm gonna put my money on and and hitch my wagon to matt you think it's you think it's reed richards yeah i mean i it's I, I do think it's intentional that they showed her like looking at her phone and texting yes. someone because yes. it can't. I don't think that that's just like, oh, I needed to find someone who had this drone because I, I think that conversation is also she's talking about building some sort of like shelter thing so she can get into the hex without it kind of affecting yeah. her. Right. Yeah. So yeah, like she's uh, talking about some technology that's like definitely not from the 80s. <laughs> right. Yes. So like and it, it was a way to enter without want to messing with them. And then I so I don't know. Reed Richards could be really cool. I don't know. If you know the stinger on this episode is that gigantic cameo we've heard so much about, right? Um, in the Paul like, Bettany interview, I, I'm like, I don't know if Evan Peters is that or if it's something else. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it. Uh, yeah, I, it doesn't seem like it to me either. So, and the way I read the initial reports of that sort of hint at a big reveal was almost that it was coming in the at the finale sort of stage, yeah. exactly, or that yeah. it, it, they were going to build to it. it it's coming. It not. It, it wasn't implied that like. Next episode, you're gonna, you know, yes, you're gonna exactly. get the big reveal. Yeah. I think they're just starting with sort of, you know, giving us real shocking moments. And to go off of like that, right? Like the 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 rumors that you're talking about, Matt. There was an interview done. I think it was Paul Bettany that sort of said like he's so excited that there's gonna be this this character show up on the show or actor show up on the show that's like this this thespian this this actor among actors and it's definitely not Evan Peters and, and no offense to Evan Peters I'm sure he's great but I think he's talking about Don Cheadle man like no. I think it's Brody I think it's here's <laughs> the thing here's the thing if, no no listen listen it makes total it makes total sense that it's Brody because yes, um, you know maybe maybe Monica met him at sword at some point like that's very fitting yes, yeah. and not only that Disney Plus has got Armor Wars coming yeah. up, you guys. I, I don't know if you forgot, but there's a whole show centered around him. Of course, they need to bridge that gap. I think the actors that they're, he's referring to and, and that he talks so highly of is either Patrick Stewart oh. or Ian McKellen. Because yeah, Ian those McKellen. are two Let's go. 
he spoke like he's someone he wanted to work with that he's has never worked right with. so yeah. I, yeah, I didn't get a confirmation on on actually who he has and hasn't worked with but just the way he was talking about them well, I was what if thinking, it's what if he's a big office fan and he's talking about john krasinski i'm just saying <laughs> as reed richards i'm, I'm with you dude yeah, I'm with yeah you. that could be yeah. no i mean the reed richards thing besides yeah he did allude to somebody and it's like who could he be talking Someone that, he's, to? that was he almost feels the like most it's an honor and he's proud to and yeah. both of those actors are you know if you can if you can afford yourself just a scene with them Right. And as 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 an actor, you would you could end your career and be happy. Right. So, you know, my my good friend, uh, Mike Hogan, listener of the show, um, uh, actually going to be joining us uh, in an episode or two for a watch club. Uh, His theory is that it's Benedict. He's thinking it's Benedict Cumberbatch, Mm. but he's also very tentative towards that belief simply because that wouldn't be all that mind-blowing yeah. he's right? acted with benedict yeah. in has... a play and in, in another movie in england oh yeah okay yeah okay good. i could okay, see cool. strange showing up i oh, just 100%. like strange showing up like yeah. wouldn't i i think would be cool and I, I i could see that in that last act to set up even if it's a post-credit stinger on the whole series there you go um but i don't know the one thing i did want to say on the ian mckellen and and patrick stewart thing i'm like is that too bringing too much of the fox x-men universe in because like no the end of this episode no okay <laughs> I, maybe maybe not i don't know like i think it's cool don't get me wrong but i don't even know if the thing at the end of this episode is like actually like doing what we might think it is doing but we'll get there we'll get there we'll get there um you know we'll have to definitely crunch some numbers on imdb and see if uh you know who who paul bettany has or hasn't acted with we'll have to use our computers uh and maybe some computational services as we get back to the computational services incorporated we see vision helping the office set up their first computers uh, when suddenly they receive an electronic mail um as norm puts it from dr darcy lewis regarding the anomaly that they're all trapped in uh the entire office reads it in sync like some sort of strange cult very similar to uh for the children uh they they laugh it off afterwards and uh and then when vision decides to bring uh norm or uh, or abilash i think i'm pronouncing that right back to reality he's terrified he he doesn't know what day it is he claims that he has to call his sister who's looking after uh, their, their sick dad um and he tells vision he has to stop her uh vision then restores him back to uh norm um Guys, before we move on, we do have a write-in question uh, from Darcy. No, not not Doctor Darcy Lewis, um, but Darcy Hudson, who we actually had on the on last week's episode, uh, who writes in uh, just like you can and asks, "Who do you think Norm is talking about when he's freaking out, saying just make her stop? Is it Wanda?" Or is it Agnes? Or is it maybe Dottie, who he says, a.k.a. possibly Mephisto, question mark? Um, Darcy, thank you so much for that writing question. What do you guys think? I mean, it's it's got to be Wanda, right? Or is this some sort of misdirection uh, from the writers? Justin? I think that's that's exactly what it is. It kind of goes back to what I was saying at the, at the beginning of seeing that she's kind of not as in control as we might think. I think mm-hmm. this is sleight of hand. Right. We, we assume because on the outside world, they're assuming that Wanda's in control. Monica thinks Wanda's in control. But what if there's someone that's working Wanda an Agnes an Agatha uh, working Wanda so that she looks like she's in control? So that shit looks yeah. like she's she's doing everything so that everyone thinks that she's the enemy so she can be behind the scenes controlling it. Now, what's her big takeaway? I think Darcy mentioned it last week and, and thinking about it more and more. It has to be the Mind Stone. There has to be some sort of connectivity of the fact that she might have regenerated this Mind Stone or the children. 
is the other is the other thing because the four children is it was pretty predominant and for the children was was pretty integral so i think norm's talking about agatha and we think because everything that we've seen it's it's going to be wanda further down to the end of this episode there's more that hints at that i do think that even the agatha stuff is um possibly misdirection where they kind of want us to think that she might be the bad guy but um she might actually be kind of helping Wanda and that's why she keeps showing up all the time. Mm, and like, and like, instead of showing up to be, she's trying to nudge her in the right direction, not the yeah, wrong one. That's very, yeah, that's kind of what I, I feel like they want you to kind of think that, you know, she might be the villain or, or doing something evil. But like, I actually maybe think that she's still part of this trance, but she maybe also has powers. Cause I know they, uh, some theories say that she's possibly, um, is it, uh, Ag- Agatha, the like a witch in in Marvel comics, yeah, I think, Agatha and Harkness, then like yeah. yeah, which is actually someone who's helped Wanda like throughout, like I think, right, instead of being a villain. So like I could think that it could go that way. Um, I don't know. That's what, and then she, I don't think that it, it is ultimately talking about uh, Wanda. So whether it's Dottie or you know as Mephisto or 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 whatever, uh, but I, I just have this weird feeling that Catherine Hahn, like it would be almost too obvious for her to, the reveal for her to be the villain and yeah. uh, not that they're trying to like you know but i mean they've done a good job of, of keeping us guessing and and you know talking each week going what the hell is going on <laughs> yeah no like I, I, like we keep saying it or at least i know I, I mentioned it earlier it's that ambiguity about what are wanda's true intentions what is she actually in control of what is she actually aware of and i just think if it really is just as cut and dry as Wanda is keeping these people prisoner and basically torturing them through mind control, that really just makes her the bad guy, right? Like, yes, terrible things happen, but is that justification to, you know, be an outright villain in your actions, right? So there's obviously more going on than just a simple, uh, you know, uh, sort of controlled aspect by, by Wanda. Um, you know, because... Because again, like I said, if she is just outright doing this because, oh no, I lost vision, it would strike up my biggest issue that I have with the show. It's probably the only issue I have with the show. I've just never seen them as this amazingly powerful couple that, you know, we were, were supposed to be super invested in. And so this is a lot of effort she's putting in to a relationship that was on screen for what, 20 minutes total over a couple movies? That's just my biggest thing is that you've had 22 movies and they spent 15 minutes of those 22 movies setting up this, you know, timeless romance where she'd do anything to get it back. And so I'm just, that that's just my big thing. So again, her to be doing what she's doing for that would make her just a bad person. So I don't think that's what they're going for. To your point, Kevin, I think it speaks to the idea of, of how much movies are really integral for specific stories and we don't get to see the nuances of relationships in that building. And this is why a TV show like this exists so that we yes. can see those nuances. Like- Going back to their relationship, um, like I, I agree with you that like we didn't see a ton of them being, you know, in love. We saw it in, in uh, end, not Endgame, in Infinity War, right? Um, 
I'm getting them mixed up because it's just like one big movie to me, um, as well as, you know, in, in a few others here and there. But I feel like we have four episodes left and I'm not going to start predicting. I just want to say this is like we know that they're going into the 90s and the 2000s when it comes to sitcoms. But we don't know if the maybe the last couple episodes are just fully outside. Are we going to get some flashbacks to their relationship and like mm, why it was why it was sitcoms or, or certain things in their lives of why they were yeah. so in love or something? I know we've gotten a little bit of that, but like I, I could see see some sort of flashback as well because that's the one thing that we haven't really gotten other than wanda stealing vision's body but Mm. um i don't know if that would break it up too much and pull us out of this current thing or if we need a little bit more context to you know why she's so in love with vision but um i I still think i I buy into it based on you know the the little bit we saw in 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 the previous movies but yeah i don't i don't know about i don't know about full flashbacks necessarily maybe like flash montages or something like that like as she's going through like the 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 final act of the final episode or something like that um that just really really you know pushes home but um but yeah no i i i I hope that we do get a little bit more more context in that way whether it be through the show or maybe even future films um but guys you know after that we uh we we get to see a lovely scene with billy teaching sparky some new tricks uh, which i thought was interesting because billy being wiccan uh is you know he's he's got wanda's powers right he can manipulate people's minds so like to see him just teaching a dog tricks like so quickly like i just i don't know i thought that was interesting um and then and then the two kids realize that their dad isn't there on a Saturday. Um, so after questioning Wanda, she shares a cute, cheesy 80s TV moment about family. And Tommy asks if Wanda has a brother of her own. She says she does, uh, but he's far away, and that makes her sad sometimes. Um, when out of nowhere, Sparky starts barking at the door. They walk outside to see a giant drone from the 80s approaching. Monica attempts to make contact with Wanda when she loses control, and Hayward commands another pilot to take the shot. Uh, the footage cuts, uh, alarm sound, and a breach has been made. We see a ton of sword agents run onto the field, followed by Wanda uh, for the first time outside of the hex, dragging and then throwing a drone back at their feet. This was such a cool moment. Uh, in her classic Sokovian accent, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'm doing bunny ears on classic, she gives them their drone uh, and, and she says this is their one and only warning to stay out of her home. Uh, through a brief exchange, Monica asks Wanda, what she wants and she states she has she has what she wants and that no one will ever take it from her again looking directly at Hayward uh, she uses her powers to force all the soldiers to point their guns at Hayward uh, and then proceeds back into the hex um, so guys the accent is back um, guys what did you think of this epic moment seeing Wanda for the first time in the real world Kevin I, I love that she had it in the first one and it was terrible then it was just gone <laughs> But now that we're seeing all this stuff, it's almost like they're alluding to the like they're almost answering where it went. And it's that she took it away herself. Interesting. But now that she's, you know, just in blind rage and like she's not worried about anything else but doing what she's doing that moment, it's she's back to herself. But it was a lot better, a lot more mm-hmm. subtle. It was a lot more natural sounding. Yeah, and so yeah, I thought it was true. well done. Yeah. She's definitely owned the accent a lot better in, in, over the years that she's done it. But it was alarming because like to me then it just kind of clued into like, so she's a character then. She's literally a character in her own sitcom. In those sitcom moments, she does not have that accent at all. You'd never have a, a sitcom mom with an accent. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, on American true. television, yeah. never. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was uh, a little bit alarming. It also kind of gave me the idea or the thought of like, is that actually Wanda then? Like, because yeah, Wanda, I, I don't know for me, thing. right? I like that idea, Kevin, that you're saying like, maybe she suppresses it like in the real world, maybe because she wants to like, she's got so much PTSD with everything that's gone on in Sokovia that she just is like, I don't want to think about that world or my brother anymore. So maybe, maybe that's part of it. But, uh, but no, another part of me was just like, is this someone who like, only studied Wanda up until, you know, the movies where she changed her accent and then they were like, okay, that's who Wanda is. So her accent was super thick in Age of Ultron, like super thick. But I can guarantee you throughout all of the movies that she's been in, it's been there. It's just more subtle, right? Like Mm. it's like it was, it's always been there. And it was interesting after watching so much of these episodes without that accent to just see it come back. Really alarming. And I, I think that's obviously purposeful because of, as Kevin mentioned, you know she's playing a character and and you wouldn't have a, an a accent on a on a no, sitcom yeah. mom that's probably why it's more jarring to us but i did love that i i did love that moment of her coming i didn't think she would like leave the hex that like this so early cool. in the series so i was totally down with that um and then we can talk about a little bit like the red glow that kind of happens afterwards and whether that's like her rage or you know mephisto or or whatever we want to think there is like and i kept i've been you know i've been obsessing over the series and people noticed in this whole episode that there was kind of a red tinge to everything like Mm -hmm. a a glow on everything and i think obviously in this moment being the most prominent as she goes back into the hex and puts that red kind of hue over the whole thing well and did it look like a almost like a house to anybody else like it almost looked like a red house right Uh, that stood out was the shape but I, i feel like it's a it's like a extra layer of reinforcement which is what's going to cause them to have to like make that vehicle because that red tone comes back in that preview in that preview clip that's uh that was dropped so yeah i think i think that that's that's safe to say that she's she's put something on there that just to keep people out even more so now well you know what else is red guys is fruit punch and when fruit punch spills you know what? You know what really helps. You need some Lagos uh, paper towel. Um, so after that scene, guys, we get the the scene, the the ad. I'm so happy that commercials have come back. Because in the previous episode, I was like, "Are they gone? Are they gone?" Um, they're not. Uh, they're here they're to the stay. Um, did you guys catch the sad and dark reference from this ad, Justin? Yeah, a hundred percent. Like that's uh, Lagos is the African town or city, I guess, where where they had the attack in civil war, where she was yeah. held accountable for for killing all those people in that. Uh, I guess guess it was like a medical facility or, or something like that. But anyways, I just loved the the tag at the end, which was uh, for when you make a mess that you didn't mean to make. And that's essentially what that whole situation was, right? She was yeah. saving Cap and created a whole slew of problems that would then lead to basically the, the Sokovia uh, Accord. So I think that that was actually like a well-placed. And I think that uh, going with the theme of pulling these moments from her past and reflecting them yeah. as a commercial, that is obviously something that sits with her very heavily. Like, I mean, with them referencing the grief thing here when they uh, awaken the dude at the office and mm-hmm. like, and how just like, or how they were talking about how she's so riddled with grief and i think each one of those commercials are so smart going into her past and maybe that is what's making her vulnerable to being controlled and stuff like that because she's so overwhelmed with grief and it's going through her timeline in the mcu kind of in like Mm -hmm. chronological order right starting with stark blowing up you know a stark bomb blowing up you know uh her parents and then leading into you know baron strucker like 
and now the Lagos thing. And like, I'll be interested to see where, like what other, I'm trying to think in my head, like what other big moments of grief that they'll probably yeah, pull in. Yeah. There's gotta be like a Thanos thing or a vision kind of death, thing yeah. of like a Thanos killing him and, yeah, yeah. and getting the Mind Stone. I'm calling it. It's going to be a nineties commercial with two kids playing with some action Toys. figures. Yes. And then there's yes. like with head crushing a power or something. It's like going to crush the yeah. head or something. I don't know. Uh, well, I just think another interesting uh, thing that they're sort of hiding in these commercials is um, the references to the infinity stones. Um, you've got uh, the toaster representing the power stone, the watch representing, representing the time stone. Uh, you've got the tesseract shaped bath powder um, in the third episode representing space. And then really? it was almost like the, the red liquid was like, you know, the ether, yeah. the, the, um, yeah. oh, that's so the, cool. uh, the reality stone. And so I think, if anything, we'll get two more sitcom like style episodes with commercials. Well, very cool. Um, then, guys, we cut back to see Tommy, Billy, and Wanda searching for Sparky when they discover Agnes holding him dead and wrapped up in a blanket. Uh, the twins consider aging up to run away from their sadness when Wanda tells them to stop and, and lets them know there are rules in life which can't be changed. Uh, Vision comes over and embraces the kids. Later that night, Vision returns to the kitchen after burying Sparky and confronts Wanda, telling her he spoke with Norm and unearthed his suppressed personality. Wanda attempts to roll credits when Vision follows Wanda into the next room, yelling at her, uh, which I just thought was such a great performance. Um, the, the credits cut, and the two float up in the air, and they're ready to throw down. Uh, they, they calm down a bit, but Vision won't stop asking questions, and Wanda claims she doesn't know how any of this started. Vision tells her what she's doing is wrong when a sudden ring at the doorbell catches their attention. She opens the door to reveal... Evan Peters Quicksilver from the X-Men universe. I thought it was I I was like fist pumping. I was, oh, I was same, jumping yeah. off the couch. It was so cool, guys. Um what do you think is this the first official X-Men character in the MCU? Matt, your thoughts. Uh I do. I don't think it's like a manifestation of him or anything. Like I actually do think that they ripped him out of the multiverse and brought yes, that yes. version of Quicksilver in. Cause I do think this whole show, obviously we know it leads into Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness and things like that. So I really do feel like as these episodes go on and we get into that final act, more multiverse stuff is going to be happening, which is, I think maybe even what we t alluded to before another big cameo from somewhere. It could even be a Spider-Man cameo setting up Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Like I, I, I would be like, if they're trying to save like the Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire thing for this and that be the big thing at the end of the series that sets up Spider-Man three. And then that sets up Dr. Strange, um, I think could be really cool. I mean, um, but I, uh, yeah, I, I, it's, it was such a cool moment. And, um, I, I do think that it is that character ripped out of that universe and someone brought him here. That wasn't Wanda. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's the importance of seeing Evan Peters in this is that it is he it's the multiverse. It's literally hinting at the multiverse. It's not a the fact that Darcy follows up when she sees on the TV who's at the door. She says she recasted. So it's like it's yeah. it's really it, to me that that line alone just even hints at the fact of the multiverse. But yeah, I think the thing that he says after to, you know, who's the popsicle, right? Um, when she oh, sees I love Vision. That. So does he know that he's like dead? Does he see, like, he must recognize that he's dead? Like, 
Because like, you've you've heard that before, a dead person being described as a popsicle, right? As so a popsicle. That's I, I I associate. I'm like, did he? Does he see that he's dead? Does he know that he's dead? That's um, a fairly mm. nonchalant way to ask who that dead dude standing in the living room <laughs> is. If that's the case, yeah, so Kevin, Kevin, is this is this? Uh, I think he goes by Peter in the X Men universe. Yeah. yeah, is this Peter? Um, I'm I'm not even sure that it is. I think. It certainly could be, and I'm all for it. It's 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 an exciting way to, um, you know, give us the inevitable. We we know it's coming, and so if this is their first introduction to that, they couldn't have done it in a better way. But I almost think it's like uh, a, a a a tease of it, um, and it's mm. more of like a a sort of Deadpooly fourth wall joke that you know, won't actually go anywhere, but is fun hmm. while it lasts and just sort of prepares us for when that multiverse uh, theory sort of comes to fruition. But if that's how they're going to do it, I'm fine with it. Because, I mean, that character, that iteration of Quicksilver is the best thing from an oh, X-Men yeah. yes. movie. Yeah. Absolutely. But guys, let's let's um, let's um kind of wrap things up here uh, and, and kind of maybe give, you know, before we give our predictions as we normally do, um, I'd love to get your final thoughts and review score for this episode specifically, uh, which for this episode obviously is on a scale of one to five Lagos paper towel rolls. Uh, so, Kevin, let's uh, let's start with you. Your final thoughts and review score. Um, as I said right off the top, I think it's such an ambitious idea, and they're trying to uh, bring so many new ideas into a comic book movie sort of environment, um, and it's and it's palatable for the most general viewer, but also just riddled with little hints and clues for even the most fervent diehard fan. And I just think it must be such a difficult task to find the right balance. Uh, And I think they're, they're doing it brilliantly. And then to do that while also having this interesting formula of paying homage to television itself through a television show, like it's just so layered and so well done. Uh, And the culmination of this episode of all of those aspects really coming together for the first time being done so well makes it my favorite episode of the uh, season, which means I have to give it the highest score I've given to an episode so far. And I don't want to go full perfect scores yet. So I'm going to give it 4.7 out of five Lagos paper towel rolls. There you go. Big mess on my hands after that episode. <laughs> but some people used, you know, a couple squares, maybe. That's, yeah, I, I hear you. Matt, your thoughts? Um, like I said, I, I mean, I think after watching it a second time now, I enjoyed the episode even more. Uh, I think on first watch, I was a little kind of not disappointed, but I thought it was maybe the weakest one. I just be completely opposite. But that was just because I think I was so invested in, you know, committing to that kind of sitcom style. And I wanted to get back to that. And I felt like every time I got pulled out to, you know, the sword stuff, it kind of lost momentum a little bit. That being said, still love the show. So I'm going to give this a four and a half uh, Lagos paper towel rolls out of five because I still really love the show. I obsess over it. I just had a few issues with pulling me in and out and i feel like they're gonna find that balance and they again on rewatch i had barely any complaints and that end credit stinger alone should be, make this almost a uh, not end credit it kind of is a post credit yes. thing yeah. Yeah. A little bit. it really is absolutely. yeah, yeah. In, their, in a fun uh, way absolutely good so call. Good call. I, I still think it's a, a fantastic episode four and a half out of five 
There you go. Justin. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to go four and a half Lagos paper towel rolls out of five. Nailed it. Um, yes. So, yeah, I, I, thought, I, I think this was, this was good. I, I appreciated the fact that, you know, they're trying to meld the two worlds together, and, and they did that, I think, I think in, a, in, a, in an effective way that allowed us to, to experience inside the bubble and outside. Um, but again, diving deeper down that rabbit hole, as I always say, um, it's, it was, it was, it's a lot of fun, and, I, and I'm looking very much forward to uh, seeing the next episode and seeing what's going to happen. Very cool. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, I was I was blown away with this episode. I, I'm very easy to please. Okay, so um, yeah. I was just <laughs> I was honestly I actually thought it was a perfect mix of both inside and outside the hex, um, and and the character development is is moving along really nicely. And I feel like you know halfway through the series. I think the show has now established itself with this structure, which I'm so happy for. Um, and yeah. I really hope we, you know, this is the momentum that we get for the next four episodes. Um, we had we had another, again, incredible group of performances this week. And I think the highlight coming from Paul Bettany in that last scene where they where they get in that fight was just like I I, I literally like I had to stop. Like I paused it because I was just like, wow, like this is that's a powerful down. performance. Yeah. It was so good. Mm. Um, and I think the whole show is just so smart. And the attention to detail in this episode specifically, you know, like I mentioned, with everything from like the dialogue to the set design to the wardrobe with with Billy and Tommy's uh, outfits. Like, I just think it sets such a high bar for the Disney Plus series going forward. Um, and uh, and I think, you know, I think this has to be the best episode that I've seen in the series so far. Um, I think they keep stepping up their game every time. So I don't know. I'm going to have to start going to out of six maybe. But um, <laughs> but no, this this is the quality you expect to see from Marvel. And I, I may just be on like a high from the end credit stinger, as you put it, Matt. Um, but uh, but no, this is Marvel cleaning up the mess they didn't make with the X-Men universe. Uh, so I'm actually going to give this episode five out of five Lagos paper Lo- towel rolls. I, lo- I love go. that. And I, I totally agree with you, Nate. Like, I just feel right? like I might have sounded more negative, but like, I just want to say this show in general, like it's when that Marvel Studios logo first came on on that first episode, oh. I just like all all was right in the world again to me, yes. like for just that 15 till that 15 seconds until I realized everything's on fire. But like, I just <laughs> um, I, it's just such a perfect like melding of, you know, the theatrical movies and television that I just feel like is perfect for this universe. And like it just if this is the quality we're going to continue to get to have you know basically a show a movie and then another show and then a movie and then another show like every year and then we we won't go like basically a week without marvel content is like almost too much but i'm like no i'm here for it like i'm i'm like let's see how that goes and i don't want to get to that point where it feels overwhelming if the quality is this good i don't think it's going to feel overwhelming well guys lastly before we go uh, we like to take a moment to give any predictions we might have for where we think the you know they're going to go in the next episode uh, or even the, the series overall in a segment we like to call uh, "What's the Vision." Um, so, Kevin, as we normally do with "What's the Vision," uh, I'd love to know um, what's the vision for you. Uh, well, uh, I like to sort of dive in and uh, and predict what they're going to do TV wise. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, what I thought was one of the better subtle 80s references in the episode was the two times where Wanda uh, sits the kids down and is sort of teaching them valuable lessons. And that was so right up the alley of an 80s wholesome family sitcom. Whereas now that we're moving into the 90s and the 2000s, TV gets a lot more cynical. Uh, You know, it's not nearly as sweet and endearing. Um, And so I think that's going to really match what's going on within the Hex 
really well. Like it's just flowing perfectly time-wise. Um, I mean, I was trying to think of 90 shows and I mean, you've got shows like Saved by the Bell and Small Wonders, which uh, had characters <laughs> with robots. Is there anything, anything there? Oh. I doubt it. But um, Matt, you mentioned uh, a potential flashback episode and I actually have a note here and I remember a lot of what if uh, flash forward episodes, but also a lot of where, how did we get here flashback episodes happening in the 90s? There were like every sitcom or family show, whatever, seemed to have those look back and look forward episodes. And so I think we might get a blend of that sort of aspect. So if we're sticking with like the 90s, I, I don't know, are we going to get home, home improvement, family matters, that sort of thing? I, just to kind of go off of what you were suggesting, like I, I feel like the next episode, if it is the Halloween one that everyone seems to be thinking, it seems is, like it, yeah. I feel like it's going to go Wonder Years. Do you remember that show, the Wonder Years kind of? That stuff? was more '80s though. That was big time was '80s. It? I thought it was early '90s. I remember being young watching that, like grade two and like '92, watching that sort of stuff. Maybe, maybe reruns, yeah, yeah, maybe reruns. So, yeah, because yeah, what I've seen uh, people suggest with the, the 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 Halloween episode is that it looks very. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer yeah, or, or, or Charmed, that sort of yeah, thing. It doesn't look uh, like a you know, sitcom anymore. It looks like it's more of like right, a TV right. drama. Because TV does sort of evolve oh, yeah. away from yep. those, those you know. Yeah. Um, I want, if I'm, if I'm looking for one thing, because I got my swinging kitchen door, as we said. Yeah. If I get oh, one yeah. thing from the 90s, I want a character to have a catchphrase in the episode. You know, did I do that? that How you awesome. doing? Yeah. Whoa, uh, you got it, dude. That sort of thing. Cut it out. I want, I want some character in the show to have a catchphrase that, that he says that's two gotta or be three Pietro, times. Right? That you there didn't you, see yeah. that coming. Yeah. <laughs> so, that would be amazing. <laughs> there Let's you go. go. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I would love that. Uh, I'm cool. on board with all of that too. I like. I, I do think it will be the Halloween episode, and I remember throughout the '90s loving the Boy Meets World Halloween episode, and <laughs> uh, I could see maybe Married with Children, or again, Full House was kind of started in the '80s, but then you know got very very popular in, in the, the 90s, '90s, right? Yeah. Um, so I could see something there as well, but like, yeah, I'm just, I'm psyched. I have no idea where this is going to go. I'm obviously excited to see where more Evan Peters and how that kind of plays out in the next episode. I think yeah. that's what I'm most intrigued with and like what his Halloween costume is going to be. If it is the Halloween episode, um, if it's just a quick silver reference or what, but, um, <laughs> my one bold prediction is that that big cameo is going to be f from Spider-Man setting up either I think it's going to be Tobey Maguire. That's my bold prediction. Wow. Don't think it's going to be, don't think it's going to be next episode. And I feel like that's the one that they are trying very hard to say that he hasn't signed on yet for Spider-Man three. And, um, interesting. I, I really do think, cause like, wasn't he also in Pleasantville and, um, yep. Yep. Uh, yes, yeah. Yeah. I just felt like that, that, that to me with the beginning couple episodes like that too, I could see like just the thing that breaks the internet a little bit as Tobey Maguire shows up in one of these episodes as that like bringing, so you brought in Fox X-Men and now you brought in Sony Spider-Man and you're kind of saying every Marvel thing you've ever seen could possibly be brought in here. I have one more quick thing with it being a Halloween episode next week. I think Mephisto for a Halloween episode does make sense if we get, or maybe just more hints at that more direct hints like someone dressed as the devil or something like that. Mm, interesting. Okay. Uh, Justin, your thoughts. I, I do think that, you know, there's still a lot to be said about uh, Mephisto being involved in this as being the sort of master yeah. puppeter, puppeteer of, of all of this whole thing. And, and, and now just thinking about, you know, with, with Matt's already suggested in the episode that maybe Agnes is, you know, is Agatha, but is maybe trying to help her 
or is in some ways being wielded negatively to then impact Wanda is another thing. I, I'm not sure, but, and I think, you know, I, I think it would be really great if they had Ian McKellen show up, right? Or, or a Patrick Stewart. I think that would be really interesting. And because it is the multiverse, they don't necessarily need to stick around, but it yeah. could be the signifier for the audience to understand who that character is, even if it was just a slight, slight little bit of cameo. So I don't know. It'll be hard to see, but I'm excited. I'm ready to go let's do this um i made a prediction that i thought the series would end with wanda having to choose between her kids and vision um and who to bring into reality Uh, and now i'm going to predict that quicksilver is going to make that choice for her i think he's going to grow attached to the kids somehow throughout the series and then he's going to rescue them and also make it out himself because i think evan peters is just too likable, and I think fans would be really upset if this wasn't just, okay, now he's going to continue into the MCU proper. I just think he needs to come back, and he, you know, he's just, I love him so much in, in that role. Um, I think it would be really cool. That is it. What an episode. I know we went uh, a little bit long in the hex here, but I, I think it's, it's worth it for this episode. Matt, before we wrap up, uh, the floor is yours. Where can people find more Matt Rorabeck? Uh, you can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com and on all podcast services. Just search for Untitled Movie Podcast or Untitled Movie Reviews or Untitled Movie Conversations. Uh, we do kind of um, you know weekly to bi-weekly shows about the entertainment industry. We do reviews every single week, multiple of them, uh, with every new movie or sometimes TV shows that are dropping, as well as conversations with people around the industry. And you can follow me on all of those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. I'm usually bumming around Twitter, tweeting some sort of nonsense or rating movies on Letterboxd if you want to spoil all of my, you know, podcasts and what I give things. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I, I love following you on Letterboxd. Uh, it's a great way to, you know, just quickly catch up and see what you're watching. See my and, trash and, movie taste. Yeah, some of the, so, I mean, listen, I, the thing is, it's so funny because I'll, I'll message other people in, about like a review that I'll see that you do. And I'm like, oh, maybe I should stay away from that. And they're like, what are you talking about? It was great. And I'm like, oh, no, like, Matt said yeah, these things. That's why I love film critics really like I'm a big uh, proponent of it's all subjective and it doesn't really matter what I think or any critic thinks Mm -hmm. you should still go if you're interested in something seek it out yourself you might find someone like the people who listen to your guys show you find people who you know you align with for the most part and Mm -hmm. you go oh okay Nate really like that Uh, Justin really like that Uh, like um, but it's just really up to you. So yeah. I'm like, I don't know who the fuck cares what I think, yeah. but I, I appreciate that people listen, but I'm like, yeah. go like, if you're interested in something, you know, seek it out yourself. And I hate, you know, film critics and people that are all hoity toity and think that they're smarter than everyone. <laughs> yeah. And like, no, my, my opinion is correct. It's like, no, it's your opinion, dude. So yeah. that's what I love. And that's what I hope to bring to our shows. If anyone who hasn't, you know, um, listened to our shows that uh, it's just, you know, I, I'll tell you what I think, but ultimately like, who cares what I think? <laughs> Yeah, that's not selling myself very well. (laughs) And I would also say that The Last Jedi is a great movie. Um, Guys, that's it. (laughs) That's it. We hope you enjoyed this week's very special episode of Watch Club. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Of course, you can tune in next week to hear our thoughts on episode six, where we'll have even more to discuss and even another special guest. Somebody ringing at the doorbell right now. I'm going to go check and see who it is, you know. Um, But guys, uh, also, if you don't know we have more than just watch club of course we also have our regular episodes of the geek centric podcast uh with our third episode up right now where uh kevin challenged us to some uh, some really really great 
trivia, Marvel trivia, so you can play along as well, um, and you can definitely write into the show and let us know your score, um, as well as if you have any questions about WandaVision or any any statements or anything you want to ask us. Um, Justin, how can they, they reach out to us again? They can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. All right, well, very cool. Justin, Kevin, and Matt. Thank you so much for joining me for today's Watch Club. Yeah, man. It was great having having you on. And as we say, WandaVision! WandaVision!